Shia LaBeouf stars in a new film called Father Pio about a Catholic father who's a pretty interesting guy. And in the process, we see a new side of Shia LaBeouf as he comes out as a newly converted Catholic. We'll talk about that and more today on Indie Thinker. Don't forget, today's show is sponsored by our friends over at Element Home Loans. These guys are the best in the business. They offer Class A customer service and no gimmicks. If you want to get pre-approved for a new home or get pre-approved to refinance your existing home, or maybe you just want to get into the real estate game and you want to invest before inflation skyrockets, interest rates even higher than they already are, then you need to go right now to kevinblairteam.com to get pre-approved with our friends over at Element Home Loans. They can not only help you get pre-approved, but they can help you avoid some of the ways that the big banks will try to box you in and try to lure you in with interest rates and the like. Again, no gimmicks, no games, just straight up great customer service at a company that cares about the things that you care about. And that's why they advertise here at IndieThinker. So if you want to get your family's financial future in order, you need to do that today. And you need to do it by going to kevinblairteam.com. And when you do so, let them know that IndieThinker sent you. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching the show today. I hope you're ready to crush some echo chambers today. We're going to do that by combining faith with reason. Because we believe as we move further and further away from those two things, our society not only becomes more secular, but continues to erode. And so if you need a lifeline, you're going to find it here at IndieThinker. So thank you for joining the resistance. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Make sure to subscribe. Now, I'm going to start off the show today in probably the most dorky way possible uh, because I want to take you over to a Batman villain, a guy named Victor Zaz. And Zaz is a particularly interesting villain because he's not your run-of-the-mill bad guy. He didn't have a rough upbringing, was abused as a kid. He didn't even have Batman's upbringing where something tragic happened to him in his, in his early life. In fact, Victor Zaz had the opposite story. He was pampered and had everything at his disposal and could basically do whatever he wanted at any point in time and had um, an unlimited amount of cash flowing his way because of his privileged position growing up in this life. But it didn't stop him from becoming a total homicidal maniac. If you've ever seen pictures of Zaz, he was in the Gotham series, I think. Uh, but you can also look it up on Google and you'll see that there's little um, check marks all over his body. And these are for all the people that he's killed, supposedly hundreds of homicides to his, to his name. And he all did so because he's a nihilist. In other words, he's somebody who doesn't see value and purpose in life because he's had the best of the best and found it all totally unfulfilling. And so now he's striking back at this world that promised so much and offered him so very little. It's actually an interesting concept because the problem of pleasure is rarely discussed, specifically from a Christian context. We always talk about the problem of pain. In fact, there's a big theological name for it. It's called theodicy. But there isn't a name for the problem of pleasure. What do we do if we find that all the pleasures that this world has to offer do not actually fulfill us and sustain us? We might have to come to the conclusion, as C.S. Lewis said, that we weren't meant merely for this world, but for something far greater. But it is a problem. Where do we derive morality from? And should there be a moral code that restricts us? And if so, what's the right moral code? 
So needless to say, the problem of pleasure is an interesting one, and we see the problem of pleasure on full display in the life of people like Shia LaBeouf. Now, Shia LaBeouf is just coming off a pretty difficult time in his life, but, but this is the reality. If a person like Shia LaBeouf can have, let's just for argument's sake say, almost any woman that he wants, can buy anything that he wants, an unlimited amount of cash, can go anywhere he wants. He could snap his fingers and he could be in, in Venice tomorrow, and then the next day he can be in Morocco, and then the next day he could be in the Fiji Islands, whatever. He could do almost anything or purchase anything that he wants. He can do the things that so many of us who don't have those same luxuries think that our life would be so great if only we could do those things. Now, he could do any of it, and still it didn't stop him from having the same kind of difficulties that people have in life or having the same kind of experience that uh, Victor Zaz did, knowing that there might be something more to this world and that he hasn't found it in any of the material pleasures that he has experienced thus far. And this is where we find Shia LaBeouf now jumping into one of his most ambitious projects, I would say, um, and certainly one of his most interesting projects. Far gone are the days of holes and transformers, and now he's jumping into a movie about a Catholic priest named Padre Pio. And here's just a quick trailer from the new movie to show you what it's all about. I know you shed tears. I know you continue to shed tears every day because of man's ingratitude. You choose souls. And despite my unworthiness, you've chosen me. The primary source of all human oppression and exploitation is individual property. What is he talking about? He's talking about how we can get control of our lives. I know you'll give me what I need. I know you will not refuse me any courage. I know you will provide. War is a terrible thing. Do not let Satan take advantage of your suffering. We put our flag in good hands, and we win. If you ever come back here, I'll kill you! It feels like a sin to question these things. It feels like a sin to be angry with the Lord. There is no greater love than this, to give one's life for one's friends. Nomina Patris, et Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Say Christ is Lord! Say Christ is Lord! Get out! Get out! Prepare the fire! Now, I personally love these kind of movies, movies that combine faith and history and, and delve into these stories that perhaps we never would have other, uh, otherwise heard about if there wasn't somebody bold enough to do a story like this one. Now, Padre Pio, or Father Pio, is an interesting character to say the least because 
he not only is somebody that's been venerated as a saint in the Catholic Church, which means that he is dead and also performed a miracle, but that also um, he comes at a time that I think is really crucially interesting. So let me give you a little background on Padre Pio. Padre Pio is a Catholic priest who came into prominence in the early 1900s, and most specifically, as you saw in the trailer, during the time of the fascist revolution in Italy, specifically under Mussolini in the 1930s and 40s. And he was an outspoken critic of Mussolini. Now, I, I like his story in that he started off as kind of a pacifist and somebody that was not politically involved. And then when Mussolini started to come onto the scene, he became somebody that was a very outspoken critic and very politically involved. And even started to defend the what was called the Christian Democratic Party of his day, uh, a group of Christians who wanted to install democracy in the face of the fascism uh, that was that was going on in Italy. And so he spoke actively about those things. He also was somebody who was uh, not only politically active, but he was also somebody who was well known as being a kind of Catholic mystic. So um, he was reputed to have stigmata or experience stigmata. And of course, that's where you get the nail piercings on his hand and the piercing of the crown of thorns on his brow and having those actual appearances on, on his body. Um, and then he's also well known for healings, um, physical healings for people who were sick, and then also exercising of, of demons. And so he's got a large history of um, doing miraculous things, but also doing things that are politically active that made him a very interesting figure in history. And so this kind of obscure man who was venerated by the Catholic Church by Pope John Paul in 2002, I believe, uh, the second, uh, Pope John Paul II, um, he comes to this movie now to introduce us to um, the place of Christianity in the culture to reform politics. Now, I, this is kind of a side note here, but I was thinking about this today, that very often those who are accusing Christian nationalists, so-called Christian nationalists, of trying to hijack um, uh, politics with their Bible— the actual opposite is is true, is that the left in America would use religion as a cover for their politics, whereas people on the right and conservatives or the people that you might classify as Christian nationalists who are not Trump supporters and who don't just uh, agree with Trump no matter what he says as though he is some demigod to us— um, what we actually believe is that actually the Bible is really, really effective at reforming politics. So rather than using religion as a cover for politics, what, what many on the right and certainly what I would want to do is I want to reform politics from a biblical perspective because I believe it's it's the greatest perspective with which to, to do it from. And certainly our politics needs some reformation. And that's why um, Pio is such an interesting dude because he very much believed the same thing and was active in actually producing those, those kind of results. Now, Shia LaBeouf comes into the scene at a time where he has just been accused of a myriad of different things, including um, and and not only um, contracting an STD and spreading it around, um, abusing women, and all sorts of other very, let's just say, odd behavior. Follow the trawler. <laughs> it is because they think sardines will be thrown into the sea. Thank you very much. At this very crucial time in uh, Shia's life, he takes on this role, and by all accounts from him, it has absolutely revolutionized his life. And so I wanted to shine a spotlight on Padre Pio via 
looking at uh, what Shia LaBeouf had to say about the role and how it impacted him. And so just recently, Shia LaBeouf was on the podcast for Bishop Robert Barron. And I really like this guy, by the way. Um, I am not a Catholic. And um, I've had Catholics on the show before, and we've discussed and even disagreed in the past on some various things. Uh, I can signal you back to shows like the one with Doug Beaumont, where we discuss Sola Scriptura and all sorts of other things on our, on our guest show. But uh, suffice to say, uh, I, there's, there's a lot to appreciate in the history of the Catholic faith. And it's now that Shia LaBeouf is starting to come to a realization of some of these things. And so I think it's helpful to all of us. So I want to show you some excerpts from his time on the show. Uh, and then comment a little bit on it, because I think that there's some, some additions that I can make that hopefully will be helpful. So first of all, let's look at prayer. Um, so I alluded to the fact that uh, when preparing for this part, Shia spent some time with some, some fathers and spent some time trying to really engage uh, with Catholicism, and it is here where he found the secret of prayer. And I thought that there's some pretty interesting things here. So here's a clip of, him, of Shia LaBeouf talking about his experience praying. And I don't know nothing about prayer because I can't cultivate uh, an unforgiving mint. I don't know anything about silence. I don't know anything about quiet. I don't know anything about it. I got a cell phone in my phone that will give me everything my ego needs. It's buzzing all the time. I got all this, you know, I, there is no silence or I don't know anything about meditation. Meditation at this point in my life feels like a self-imposed timeout. Prayer feels like I'm memorizing somebody else's words, like I'm an actor, yeah. like I'm doing monologues for myself in my head. And Alex says, uh, just go into that chapel and just shut up. Where the Blessed Sacrament is. Yes, yeah. and just sit there. Just sit right. there and be quiet. And, um, and, and that feels like a very strange thing to tell me, and I'm also rebelling. And right around this time, you and the deacons show up for like this deacons meeting. Well, that's the first time I met you, It's the right. first time I meet you. Yeah, okay. The deacons are all hanging out at the church. Right. Right. And you do, this, you do this talk about prayer yeah. and how it's really a simple... Uh, four-step process prayer, you know, and, and I needed somebody to simplify it for me because it felt like, one, I needed, I needed to be defined. I didn't want it to be this esoteric. I needed something very defined and very practical. I needed something very, like, boots on the ground. And you said, quiet leads to loving thoughts. Loving thoughts leads to loving action. Loving action leads to peace. And that hit me heavy. And Mother then, Teresa I was quoting there. That's Whoever right. it was, it's yeah. changed my life. And so we're praying the rosary, and I'm waiting for loving thoughts, and it's not my first or second or third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh thought. But then I hear a thought like, call your mother, tell her you love her. Now, me and my mother at this time, my mother don't want nothing to do with me. Hmm. You know, the, the news that had come out has been like I've been abusive to women, and I've been shooting dogs, and I've been willingly giving women STDs, and like there's, it's disgusting. It's depraved. And my mother is embarrassed beyond all imagination. She doesn't want nothing to do with me. And we hadn't talked. And I'm living in this parking lot. And, and I get out of rosary with you, and I call my mother, and, uh, and I say, uh, I don't have much to say to you, but I love you and I'm safe. And she said, oh, I'm so grateful. Hmm. And she hangs up the phone, and it's the first time I had really like, talked to my mother, and I felt this peace. Because I had all this resentment and animosity, like, how could you dip on me? You're my mother. You know, no matter what happens, like, this is conditional love that you offer me. So, you know, uh, then I start reading the confessions by Augustine and his mother mm. and that relationship. Yeah, and like, right. everything starts to feel like click, 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 click. Right. And 
Augustine being like a hedonist who had made all these yeah. flaws. And then, then they started explaining Francis to me and all this ego that was yeah. in Francis. Yeah. He's a complete egomaniac. Right. Yeah, like, and, and I start feeling all these connections and I start seeing this route. And, the, 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 and it says, let go. And, and, and I, like, I find a, a way for myself. I mean, so that's super powerful in, in my opinion. And, and this is what I think about when, when I hear him talk about prayer. It makes me think about the power of silence. And I do question, in what other way are you going to hear that message in today's society? Where else, what other institution is going to, to encourage you to shut up? I mean, we are encouraged everywhere to talk as much as possible. And this is coming from a guy, by the way, me, who uh, speaks out on as many topics as I possibly can. And I do believe that the voice of truth, um, that the voice of scripture, the that the Bible, as, as appropriately understood as possible, should invade in every institution as much as possible. I, I often say this, that I think Christians should be informed on as many different positions as possible so that the supremacy of Christ can be heard in every area of life. There is no place, in other words, where Jesus is not king. That's true of the political, that's true of the personal, that's true of everything. So, so there, we should voice as much as we can, um, our thoughts and the thoughts of Scripture on 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 subjects on on a multitude of of areas. So I say all that to say, also the other side of that coin though is this, is that there also is great benefit in silence. There also is great benefit in letting go of the idea that you are in control of everything. And I know no other institution in society today that is going to encourage that message. And it shows that there's things in the church that, that draw us to it beyond what we often think. If we push aside kind of some of the silly arguments of the new atheists and the likes of people like Sam Harris and the pejorative kind of like, oh yeah, well, God told you to kill such and such in the Old Testament. And you actually get to the heart of what Christianity is actually about. It, you, you hear things like this that you often don't hear in the mainstream, that there is benefit to shutting up. And one of the best ways to shut up is to go into a place of prayer where you can contemplate and you can shut out the outside world. And, and there, there is something that happens in that moment that is, that is very special. So um, so already here from Shia LaBeouf and from this movie, we're gaining some, some insight into some pretty important things that we're not hearing about. So here's another clip that I think is really, really important for us to dig into. Uh, and tears had a lot to do with it. Augustine was like a hyper intellectual, but man, there's like tears on every page of the Confessions. Yeah. And he starts weeping as he yeah. listens to uh, Ambrose, you know? Yeah. So that's a story from so many centuries ago, but it's your story in many ways. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um... Yeah, and I'm I'm experiencing a lot of that also, but also it, the weird thing is is like separating what if this is actually happening to me for me and what if this is like PO and this film and preparation and the separation, you know, I I'm I, I before this movie I'm chasing no separation, but here it felt even further. And there was a certain point where Abel's like asking me to do an accent because yeah, you didn't do an accent. No, you just spoke no, in your American. Yeah, because at a certain point, like I prayed on it, you yeah. know, and I thought, this is the separation I'm not after. This feels like, like okay, now I'm just like wearing a mask, like a PO mask. Yeah, right. Whereas um, it felt like the task wasn't that. The task, even beyond what the director was asking of me, and he found a way to find the same kind of, uh, he found my reasoning just, was that I was having like genuine 
while we were practicing Latin Mass, I was having genuine emotional experiences. Mm. And be, aside from the fact that, you know, as a, a Neapolitan speaker, his accent would have matched Italian anyway. But it felt like I, 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 that would have taken me out of this yeah, thing right. that felt very personal. And um, so we didn't do an accent because I felt like what was happening to me was like, like some kind of vessel. I'm not going to get too cheesy about it, but it felt like um, like I wasn't it was I wasn't in control of a lot, a lot of the stuff that was happening. There wasn't a whole lot of like emotional actor prep. It was like very prayerful. When I felt like I couldn't hit a moment, I would, me and Alex would like we would pray, and then it would come. Like the emotion would just come. Pio was a very emotional guy. All right. Now the reason I wanted to show that clip is that it's a great kind of addendum to what we just heard about prayer kind of like where the you stops and the silence begins and maybe the place where you can hear the voice of god because we just kind of heard that in the wrestling match that shia was having with how much to act and how much to let this come into him and how much does this have to do with the kind of like spiritual experience that he's that he's receiving throughout all of this endeavor and and how much of this is it just a job you know so all of these emotions and things are coming. At the same time, he's got this very technical task to do to be an actor. And and so he alludes to the fact that there is this moment where he's acting, but also he's experiencing these great emotional, you know, moments as he's doing this, that something is happening inside of him. So it again, it brings us to this to this question. Um, and, and, it, and it's, again, the question of prayer and silence and all that kind of stuff. But it's a question also of spiritual experience. And it's a question of when does rhetoric stop and when does the supernatural, the spiritual, or even if you want to go as far as this and don't make the mistake of totally equating these two, but isn't that kind of the dance of life? Not only is this kind of the dance of prayer where it's like where, where you end and God begins, but it's also the dance of life of, of understanding like at what point in time are, are there things out there that you have yet to experience that you know are available, but that you don't know how to access them? Um, and, and, and those things that you do know and how you often just like take control and you try to um, do what you know and the experiences that you've had and you let those kind of at the forefront. I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, is that yet another opportunity from this movie and from Shia's experience to kind of help us maybe think about something that's important, to think about how you are more than just flesh and bone, but that you are also a soul. This is the problem with identity politics, is that it, it, it equates you to nothing more than your exterior, to the color of your skin and to your gender and, and, to, and to all of those things. Um, this, is, this is the problem with so much of the leftist ideology of our day, is that it has a fundamental flaw in its understanding of what human nature is. It's way more robust, way more vast than we can possibly give it credit for. And this is why I love these kind of experiences and these kind of stories with Shia um, that take place, but also these kind of films, when, when we dig into them, how they can help us think beyond the natural and perhaps enter into the supernatural. And not just in the purely rational, but also in, in the emotional. Uh, Jordan Peterson calls it when the, the literal and the narrative intersect. Um, uh, it, it's this idea that there is more to you than, than just your body. But your body does matter and your body is important, but there's also a soulish element to you that needs to be understood. All right, one more clip and, and then we'll kind of put a, a fancy bow on all of this. Freedom doesn't feel good with no structure. You know, if somebody stripped me naked and threw me in the ocean, it wouldn't feel good. I'd be free, but I wouldn't enjoy it. 
um, this has given me structure to be able to enjoy my freedom, to be able to, it's yeah. given me, yeah, it's given me purpose, the structure of it. Freedom. I need the structure of it. Bob Dylan, freedom just around the corner from you, but with truth so far off, what good would it do? Well, let's go down the Bob Dylan route for a second. <laughs> no, because I mean, see, he speaks a lot of these truths, you know, because Dylan comes out of that tradition, but but that's exactly it. So we, we can so valorize freedom as like spontaneity, I do whatever I want. But with truth so far off, what good would it do? I mean, freedom's always correlated to Can truth. you say the lyric one more time? Freedom just around the corner from you, but with truth so far off, what good would it do? That's from Joker Man. Remember Fire. that from like the early uh, 80s? No, you're a deep cuts Dylan guy. I'm yeah. like a big hits Dylan guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm both. You know, I, I started loving Bob Dylan when I was about 13. Now, I love that last part. Freedom doesn't feel good without structure. Now, I don't know if Shia LaBeouf knows it, but he just happened upon uh, one of the tenets of our founding fathers that actual freedom is not the ability to do whatever you want, but freedom is the ability to take upon yourself certain responsibilities. It would be totally um, illogical. It would be ununderstandable to ununderstandable. Anyway, it would not be understandable to our founding fathers that you would talk about freedoms in such a way as to have your rights uh, because our founding fathers looked at freedom through the lens of responsibility. And so when we when we say we, we have the freedom to uh, and we live in a free country, so you need to say my pronouns or we have the freedom to identify as any gender that we wish to, regardless of our biological sex. Um, those those kind of ideas of freedom are so contemporary, but they are but they're antithetical to anything that we've ever known in history past to to real freedom, because real freedom in the past is responsibility. Again, freedom with structure. So this brings us to this idea of the importance of church the importance of spirituality and the importance of religion. If religion really is the worship of God as holy other, which is truly what religion is, then religion isn't a bad thing. Religion is a good thing. Now, in the hands of bad people, it can do bad things, but ultimately religion is good. For us to be able to understand this, we're going to have to be able to look past our butt hurt and the youth pastor that maybe criticized us un unjustly or or the time that we didn't get welcomed too much in church or the time where the church didn't do exactly the kind of songs that we wanted. We're, we're going to have to get over our present understanding of Christianity if we're ever going to truly appreciate what the church actually is. Now, a word of caution here, too, because this may be part of the problem. Whenever a person like Shia LaBeouf comes along, at least in the Christian evangelical world, we quickly praise them and 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 put them on a a pedestal of sorts. So I'm thinking of people like Justin Bieber and the Kanyes, but these are guys who know literally nothing about Christianity and have just recently gotten saved. I mean, they say stuff like this. We've seen that in our lives. Mm -hmm. This yeah. conference has reminded me of that. Yeah. So if you're watching. Thank you for being a part of Backstage. Get yeah. here live if you can. If not, we love you. God yeah. is able to do more than you can imagine. Yeah. Um, over to you. Uh, what would Jesus do? Oh. oh. Now, I am thankful that Shia LaBeouf is experiencing the kind of conversion that he's explaining in these videos. But, but understand this. What is necessary for the freedom that he is experiencing right now to truly actually have its way is he needs a structure of sorts to discipline him in those ways. Now, I say that to, I guess, to extol the, the beauty of church, but also to, to also say this, that at the end of the day, what we need 
is we need more Christians who have the experience and the disciplines that they have received from deeply reading of history, as we see with the benefit of learning about the lives of Padre Pio and, and others like him, have, have deeply read of history, deeply read of the scripture, and deeply been trained in, in the church. These kind of disciples, we need them to stand up and speak out. Perhaps then we won't immediately attach ourselves to a pop culture icon and let them do the speaking for us and let them do the representing of Christianity for us. We're so desperate in the Christian church, especially the Christian evangelical church, for, for pop culture that we will jump on the train of anybody who declares a modicum of of faith in Christ and put them before us if they have any cultural prominence, even though they're probably the people who are least likely to speak on our behalf or the, the people who are least equipped to speak on our behalf. And so the point is, is this, is that we need Christians out there who are engaging the culture. We need Christians who are equipped, who are discipled, who are knowledgeable, who are out there building platforms, I don't know, like podcasts, to actually speak to these kind of issues and speak to the world in a way that, that makes sense, but also speak to the world in an impactful way where they can truly hear. Now, I'm thankful for people like Shia LaBeouf and for the experiences that he's recently kind of illustrated and what we just saw in this video. I took a whole episode of my show to kind of illustrate them so that we could learn about Father uh, Padre Pio and so that we could also so that we could learn about what's going on in Shia LaBeouf's life. But ultimately, here at the end of the day is what I'm really saying. The reason we respond so much to stories of conversion like Shia LaBeouf and find them interesting and are attracted to them is yes, because these people are stars. Yes, because they're pop culture icons, but also too, because our world is starving for the truth. They're not going to hear it in the legacy media. They're not going to hear it from our politicians. And by God, I hope they hear it from our Christians. So as far as you and I are concerned, let's as much as possible steer away from your truth and my truth and get back to the truth. Now, you don't have to think like me, but you do have to think. And you do have to think for yourself. And you do have to think according to the truth. And the world is starving so much for that, that when people like Shia LaBeouf uh, become Christians, they people respond to it. And they want to hear what, what's going on. Every generation is looking for a person who is courageous enough to speak the truth. This is something Martin Lloyd-Jones said, that in every generation, a person who speaks the truth will be objectionable to the culture. But we need those people who are willing to be objectionable, willing to pay the social cost of really telling the truth, of those who are willing to push back against the thinly veiled lies that are covered up to look like benevolence, you know, those who wish to speak your pronouns and who wish to pat you on the back while you continue to make decisions that are ultimately destructive for you and for a society. Anybody who's willing to push back against that ultimately will find on the other end of that resistance that initially is faced that that we get from the culture, we'll find that on the other end of that tension is actually a starving world that is hungry for somebody who's willing to speak the truth at the risk of being objectionable. Now, I hope that's you, and I hope that's me. If it is, you can comment down below. You can also share this video with others, and you can like it. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. You can catch brand new episodes of Indie Thinker with Reed Uberman every Monday and weekly bonus episodes to keep you thinking throughout the week. But you have to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when new episodes drop. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like this video and share it with friends.